every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for What's Going On. Not Matt Harpering. He'll be joining us at 5. Missed on that one. <laughs> at one point, he was going to join us at 3. It's true. There's been a lot of movement on the, there, the there lineup has, today. There has been some movement. It's so. a good thing Austin is so nimble on his feet, you know? It's quick. Uh, he is nimble on his feet. That's true. All right. We have, uh, we have no, some, it's not. We have some breaking news uh, real quick before. We're going to play the Zach Wilson interview for, uh, for what's going on today. Uh, but we have uh, some breaking news coming from uh, Shams Sharania. Uh, Gordon, Kevin Durant listed out. Tuesday versus the Jazz due to NBA's coronavirus health and safety protocols. No KD against the Utah Jazz on Tuesday. So some questions follow in the wake of that news. We don't we uh, we don't know if he has COVID or if he's he was with someone who had it or, you know, this is a matter of tracing or what, because KD had it already. Right. But that doesn't really prevent it from happening again i don't know uh i'm just assuming it's doubles ping pong i knew you were gonna do yeah that. i'm just assuming he got together with some pals played a little doubles ping pong and somebody found out about it probably the snitch line well if he were playing doubles ping pong with somebody who had tested positive for covid that would in fact disqualify him from playing i don't Not- know Sure. Well, if that's what I, I mean, it would because he's coming in contact with somebody. They're trying to be really careful. But if it were singles table. ping pong, you'd be fine. Uh, uh, how long is a ping pong table? Is that uh, enough space between? Uh, and does that even matter? But I mean, what if, if he you, were licking the ping pong ball? To get that English. Yeah, the, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Jake, first of all, I've played a lot of ping pong in my day. But have you ever licked the ping pong ball? Uh, well, playing beer pong, the the ball lands in the beer, and then I've consumed the beer. <laughs> Probably licked a ping pong after, ball after. in there somewhere. <laughs> All right, I, I know you have a thing for this doubles ping pong thing. It really it was it, a rule. Uh, it bugs you? It was no a rule. End. How many lives did that rule save? No, it's hard to say. <laughs> to, to Gordon's point, Jake, there was a, a, the bubble was a success. It was, it was. There were a lot, uh, a lot of protection there. Does licking a ping pong ball give the ball more spin or English? Probably. Or it's it... called a spitball. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant not going to play against the Jazz. That's good news for the Jazz because KD has been awesome. Oh, awesome. He's, if you he's were such a great player. If you were wondering, as I was, if he was going to be a step slower or somehow the Achilles was going to have an effect on his game coming back, uh, it would appear not because he's been really, really good. Yes. Yeah. Have the uh, have the Nets been as good as you thought they were going to be or less good? or 
Well, they've been as good, I guess. They still don't play any defense. I still think that's going to come back and, and bite them in the in the derriere. But, I mean, if, if you watch the Nets, Nets it's, there's not a whole lot of organization to it. I mean, it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving taking turns, taking it to the other team. But, okay, I mean, okay. they're so, scoring a ton of points. So if an opponent like the Nets is going to concentrate at the offensive end of the floor and they allow the Jazz some space – to get their shots off the way the Spurs were, that, I mean, I wonder how many teams are capable of disrupting that offense because that's what we saw in recent games where they were, you know, they, they struggled against Minnesota, for instance. And they, they uh, but, but I don't know how common that kind of defensive effort is. Uh, to to uh, to hurt the Jazz that way because if they're left free, if a team isn't going to play defense against them, I think the Jazz is going to win most of those games, don't you? Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm not necessarily buying into your assumption that it was a way that Minnesota played against them or Phoenix, for that matter, because the Clippers basically are the best defensive team in the league, and the offense looked much better <laughs> against the Clippers. I think it has more to do with the Jazz, which uh, we can we can sink our teeth into that a little later on in the show if you want to get into it. Well, the Clippers are a good defensive team, but did they play really rugged defense against the Jazz? Paul George had six steals. But no, I think he was dogging it out there on D. <laughs> I've always thought Minnesota was a better, and Phoenix, both better defensive teams than the Clippers. Okay, yeah, because that because 50% of Kawhi Leonard is still better than 100% of anybody on the Suns or the or the Timberwolves. So, oh, man, just joking around. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't I think it has more to do with what the Jazz were doing, which I definitely want to talk to you about. Okay. But we have to uh, we want to play Zach Wilson here. So All right. You want to get Let's to that get to at 3:30? Yeah. Should we should we put a tease there? Sure. All right. Uh, Zach Wilson was on with Hans Olsen earlier today and uh, started off talking about what led into his decision to declare for the NFL draft. Yeah, it was really going back and forth with, uh, you know, the pros and cons of everything. You know, I, I talked to Coach A-Rod and, um, you know, he gave me his, his personal thoughts on everything. And then it was kind of, you know, you're going to go back and forth with every single pro and con about staying or going. And, and he goes, eventually you just got to come down to the point of, you know, the opportunity will be there. So you just got to do what your heart um, is feeling and, and what your gut is saying. And so uh, really that's what it came down for me. You know, we laid out all the pros and cons and, uh, you know, we listened to what information we were gathering from, from agents or GMs or scouts. And, and really, I think it just came down to the, the opportunity I felt, um, you know, it was going to be in place for this next year. And so um, I decided to take it and, and bet on myself and, and hope for the best. So, well, that's what I was going to say. What were maybe one or two tipping points for you when you were looking at pros and cons? Yeah, you know, um, I would just say that taking advantage of the opportunity now, I mean, one of the biggest reasons um, I hesitated to come back was, was injury. Um, you know, BYU's had a, a long list of quarterbacks not being able to finish the season. So that was a huge goal of mine was to play um, and start and finish a whole season. And so that was that was huge. And you know, sometimes it's hard to do that stuff twice. And so I was fortunate uh, to be able to come out healthy. And, um, you know, if I was, wasn't, if I was able to take advantage of the opportunity and come back um, and then was, was to get injured, um, you know, I'd be super upset about that. And, um, you know, also just the, the ifs about guys moving around, mm -hmm. and other guys on the team leaving and, 
coaches taking off. You know, you never know what happens. And so, um, you know, it's hard to be um, as dominant as we were um, exactly the same. And so um, I felt like, you know, what I accomplished in college was um, a good a good reason for me to, to be okay with leaving at that point. Zach, it had to have been great for you to play through a season without injury and, and to be completely healthy. How, how much of a game changer is that for you? Huge. Huge. I mean, I mean, availability is everything. I mean, I would say that's more important than most stati- uh, statistics when you look at players. Uh, so for me, being able to get through this whole season and come out clean and be able to go into training uh, this off season was huge. I mean, that was a huge goal of mine was to be able to to learn how to stay healthy. Um, and even though the year before was a fluke thing and the shoulder was something from high school that just you know dragged on. Uh, that was a big deal for me to stay healthy. You know, I see Taysom and, and all the season-ending injuries he had and, and Tanner with his Achilles stuff. And, you know, there's always been issues. And so coming out healthy was huge. And I feel like I feel like that overall helped our team. I feel like the whole team was uh, – we had a healthier season as a team than, than we normally do. I also think that helps you. I hope scouts realize that uh, you are resilient, that you are healthy. That's a big green check mark yep. uh, for you and, and your cause to get into the NFL. I, I wanted to ask you – how uh, how much influence did Brady Christensen or Zach Milne and 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 maybe the knowledge of Jeff Jeff Grimes possibly leaving? How much did that play in your decision to leave? Yeah, um, you know, I actually didn't know about Coach Grimes so just barely, so um, you know, not huge. And then I even you know I I, I kind of had the feeling you know Brady would would probably dip, you know. But I mean, if me and Dax. <laughs> you know, really thought about coming back, we probably would have stayed together. You know, I, I can't speak for him, but, you know, I, I'm sure we could have figured something out together in that in that regard. But, um, you know, really I would say those didn't actually have a huge pull. I think really it just came down to the opportunity, um, you know, of where people told me I could possibly land um, for this year's NFL draft. And I just, I just felt like it was too big of a risk or maybe the things worth coming back for, uh, you know, maybe just weren't worth it in the long run. Um, you know, so it was really just taking advantage of it now and <clears throat> not wishing um, next year if, if something bad had happened that that I was wishing I could have, you know, taken advantage of it sooner. This season had to be somewhat of a dream for you, Zach, uh, to have an opportunity to come back with the guys that you love and the, and the coaches that you love and the university that you love and to be able to put together a season that – BYU fans and BYU were recognized as one of the top seasons in BYU history. That had to have been a dream for you. Take me on the ride a little bit with your teammates and the coaches and the excitement that followed this incredibly unique but incredibly uh, brilliant season that you've had. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I reflect back on the season and in our opening game against uh, Navy and you know, just thoughts, uh, the confidence going. I, I honestly think confidence is everything, and I really think that was a huge part of this year's team. I think we, we all put in that work in the off season, and, and guys got older. And coaches, um, you know, I feel like fit better to what we had as a team. And, you know, no doubt we were, we were definitely better. But when we, you know, had won a couple big games by large margins, I think the confidence of the team, you know, was just – was just ridiculous. I felt like, you know, me as a quarterback, I felt like there was, I could do anything I wanted on the field. I know the receivers, you know, felt like I could get open whenever I need to get open. I can make any catch. And I felt like the O line was like, hey, we're the best O line in the country. And so I feel like we just had this, this confidence that went throughout the entire locker room of, of that we're a really good team. And I feel like, 
um, you know, that was a part of the reason that we that we dominated this year is just because the consistency that we had and, and our expectation for ourselves, um, you know, I feel like was really a, a big difference in this year's uh, success. You know, it was a magical year. And unfortunately, we came up one game short, you know, by one yard, right? And, um, you know, but it's hard to win 11 games, no matter the schedule you play. I mean, that's what people are always, you know, harping on the schedule for whatever it is. But uh, it's hard to win 11 games no matter who you're playing. You think back to that Coastal Carolina game and, and some of those moments um, being out on that unique turf and in that unique situation. Zach, I, I, I want to know, because I'd, I'd heard some different reports on when you had indications as a team that you'd be playing Coastal Carolina. When did you guys actually start game prep for Coastal Carolina? Yeah, I want to say we were in our Wednesday practice for the week and we just finished meetings and all that stuff, and then Kalani got us together for a team meeting. And it pretty much was um, him just mentioning to us, hey, this is probably going to happen. And, and the excitement of the team was, you know, was, was crazy. You guys were pumped. You know, we were all screaming in the locker room. We were so excited to play the game. And um, I just remember uh, we actually canceled practice Wednesday so that the coaches could go in. Um, get a little bit of film prep and all that kind of stuff. And then we actually resumed practice that night. I think it, it was like 7 o'clock at night. Um, we ended up coming back and have a late practice to try and uh, make up for for some of the lost time. And I feel like our preparation was great uh, that week. I just feel like, um, you know, obviously working more of that, that crazy offense that holds the ball and runs that Navy-style approach with the RPO would have helped with a little bit more time. But I feel like we were ready and we were excited to play. Former BYU quarterback and one of the NFL's top quarterback prospects, Zach Wilson, joining us. Uh, Zach, you mentioned that you had just recently heard, and all of us just found out at about 6.30 this morning, that Jeff Grimes would be leaving BYU. How big of a blow is that to BYU, and and what do you think BYU should do moving forward? Yeah, you know, that's up to Kalani, I feel like, is is what they're going to do moving forward. I know that we have... Um, you know, first, I mean, I mean, what a great opportunity for Coach Grimes. I mean, nobody can blame him for, you know, taking that. You know, I, I know he is, uh, you know, from that area and that, you know, it'll be hometown for him. And so he, he's going to be happy where he's living. And, you know, I know I know he loved it out here in Utah, but I know that that's, you know, that's part of the country he's from. So I know he's going to enjoy it out there. And, um, you know, he's a, a strong Christian man. So he's going to love he's going to love the atmosphere around him as well. So I know he's happy in that regard. And. You know what a great opportunity. Nobody can blame him for that. But then, also on our staff at BYU with Coach Coach A Rod and Coach Coach Fest, you know those guys do an amazing job, and I'm sure um, they'll step right up in the role. You know, not even knowing if we even need to hire another offensive coordinator, but just have those two um, step right up. You know, personally, that'd be um, my thoughts. You know, obviously they could uh, go a different route, but um, you know that's probably what I would be thinking. You know, Zach, I've known your mom and dad since well before you were born, going all the way back to when I was playing at BYU, and I know them to be two incredible people. Uh, I know your dad much better than your mom, but an incredible man. And, uh, you know, I saw a report that was put out by, I, I believe it was some type of NFL scouting official that, you know, through kind of some, uh, I, I would say, some degrading words your way coming in this report it said wilson has character concerns rich kid who is an entitled brat i know that you saw that report i'm sure it went absolutely haywire and i couldn't believe it 
because I know your family and, and entitled is the last thing I think of you, but I want to know what you thought about that. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that was, you know, a little shocking, I think for me and my family, but we understand, I mean, that happens, you know, that stuff, you know, comes out. I think, I think what's um, a good opportunity for me is when I start meeting with these teams and when people get to know me, um, you know, that's, you know, that's not, that's not part of me. You know, I try and be somebody that, you know, is level-headed and, and tries to put those around me first. And um, I have two amazing parents, you know, and, and it's not like we're poor and, and struggling for money, but, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, a super rich family. And, and, you know, my uncle, um, you know, has started airlines and I have, I have a great support system in, in my family, but it's not like he's, you know, giving me, you know, money all the time. And so that was part of the reason why I drove to California this off season was to save money. Um, you know, I stayed with the Rexes and, and their family out there because, uh, you know, they're great people and Isaac is our tight end and one of my best friends and um, they're great people that let me stay there to save some money on a hotel. So I drove out as much as I could to save money. Um, I remember I was even working DoorDash on Valentine's day to try and make some money to get my mom something nice. And, um, you know, even, pay for the rest of the trip so that it wouldn't have to come out of my parents' pocket. So, you know, I have a great support system of, of family that um, has always supported me. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for the opportunity for NFL scouts to just get to know me um, for who I truly am. And um, I know they won't buy into the reports and all that kind of thing because, um, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, I take seriously. I, I really want to be known as somebody who, who is very charismatic for other people and, and somebody that is humble and grounded and always willing to, to work uh, to get things done. And so um, I'm so grateful for the family that I have that you know, I, I've been backed by such a great support system. There you go. That's Zach Wilson. He was on uh, with Hans Olsen earlier today. There were a couple minutes left in that interview, but most of it was Hans pretending not to know what DoorDash was. So we'll we'll pull out of it there. <laughs> pretending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know what DoorDash is, Gordon? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It is food delivery, right? It is. It is. I've never used it, but I've heard of it. No? You haven't used it? Mm-mm. Okay. No, my butler handles all that. Your butler. Wait, you gave him the holidays off. <laughs> you have a butler? No. That was a joke, Jake. Come on. Well, I mean... How's it a joke when it's so believable? I'm going to absolutely would believe. You know, I don't believe a lot of your yarns, but I would absolutely, if you came in one day and said, you know what, I hired a butler yesterday, I'd believe it. Uh, <laughs> the only time I've ever, ever had a butler is I stayed at a resort once, and it was a nice resort, and uh, uh-huh. they had somebody that was there to uh, handle your needs. <laughs> uh-huh. oh. I've, never, I've never had. Yeah, dump that. <laughs> I, have, I have never had a butler. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> I handle those chores at home. You know that. No, I, I don't know that. Tell me lies, <laughs> yeah, right. We remember your sham cooking video. Oh, see, that's, that's just... That's, that just cuts right to the quick. It shouldn't. Because no, if I were making something up and you guys were thinking you it were. was a sham, all this, then, then you know it would it wouldn't hurt me at all. But the fact that I go to all the effort to do it and then you undermine me in that regard, 
I, you didn't do it. I wonder what it would be like to have a butler. You would have uh, you would have filmed it had you did it. But instead, it was just a bunch of convenient, like, oh, I'm just putting the last slice on these onions here, and uh, now we're all done. <laughs> and now for the made-from-scratch key lime pie. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. And then we said, wait a minute. It says Walmart on yeah. that pie. Huh? I, made, I made a good portion of that meal, I want you to know, and I deserve no. some credit. No. It's not, it's not true. Not true. If you did, Austin, you would have filmed it. If you had a, if you had a butler... What would I mean? Would you would that would you like that, or I would honestly, it get on your nerves having somebody hanging around all the time? I honestly was just thinking about that, sadly, because you said I wonder what it'd be like to have a butler. I don't think that I would be comfortable on many a different level, but especially on my OCD level, I, I have to have things done my way. And if it's not done my way, like I'll go in and refold all the towels in the closet uh-huh. just so yeah, I don't go too. crazy. No, you yeah. don't. Yeah, Gordon doesn't do that. Gordon hasn't folded anything in a long time. We we that's tackled that we tackled that topic a long time ago. No, that's not because true. Because Whitney gets mad at me. She's like, "Did I?" I because she likes to help out. She likes it to be equal, and I'm like, "No, I got it. I got it." And it's my OCD. I have to have it done my right way. So the butler would not would no, not work. No. You know, yeah. I mean, I I would be feel uncomfortable having somebody no, there wouldn't. at your at my beck and call. No, you yes, I, would, I would hate. I would really. What? Hey, uh, you know, uh, William, will you please uh, draw me some bath water? No, uh-uh. you'd be fine with that. I would not. Weren't you a butler for the Dupont family? Is that where this is stemming from? <laughs> no. No, I was a, no. They shared I, I a butler was, with oh, the Dupont right. family. No. <laughs> no, I was a gardener slash custodian. It was a butler share. <laughs> it was a butler share. It was really ahead of its time. <laughs> a custodian. Uh-huh. You say with a straight face, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. No, I was. Okay. I worked my tail off on that job, uh-huh. man. Sure, you did. Uh, okay, cutting, cutting lawns, fixing pipes, doing all kinds of stuff. There's, there's no way that you were driving fixing, a tractor fixing pipes okay. or yes. driving a tractor. No, I did. No, That's where did I not. learned to drive a tractor, uh, which you don't know how to drive a tractor. I guess I do because I did. I needed to for that job. Not only that, but I, I well, I did have the, the unfortunate mishap when I uh, drove a pickup truck into uh, one of the pillars holding up the garage. <laughs> but uh, that was. That was just uh, me losing control of the pickup uh, at uh, 16 years old. We have uh, additional information on Kevin Durant's situation. Adrian Wojnarowski is tweeting out, Gordon, Kevin Durant's facing a seven-day quarantine under league protocols because of exposure to a positive COVID-19 case. Sources tell ESPN he had the coronavirus in May, continues to register antibodies, and he tested negative in multiple recent tests. He'd missed four games in the next week. Yeah, I read that, and uh, so that's, uh, I guess it's good news, He, uh, you know, relative to him actually testing positive. So, yeah, he'll, but, uh, you know, the the ramification there is he's got to sit out. That's the way it goes. That's too bad, man. I wanted to see the Jazz play the Nets with Durant. Uh, I like to see the Jazz face teams at full strength. I know some fans are looking forward to any kind of advantage the team they root for can gain, but not me. I want to see I want to see both sides at full strength just to see just to measure the team to see what they are. 
We're going to talk about the Utah Jazz coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. By the way, Band of the Day today is the Bee Gees, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to LiveNation.com. Bee Gees selected by me, and once called Matt Harpering a better-looking Barry Gibb, and he didn't know who Barry Gibb was. And Matt's going to join us at 5, so. Oh, I, you know, Matt, Matt Harpering's a handsome man, but Barry Gibb was a handsome guy. I mean, what are you putting Barry Gibb down for? I'm not uh, putting Barry Gibb down. I'm complimenting Matt. Oh, okay. All right. It was when he cut his hair, because he used to have that long hair like Barry Gibb. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't know. He's not a big Bee Gees fan, Matt Harpring, so I thought we'd go with the Bee Gees today. All right. Sounds good. All right, Gordon. Uh, we were t- let's talk about the Utah Jazz and something we brought up um, in the last segment. We can get into it. The, the difference in play between Jazz v. Suns and Jazz v. Spurs, because it did look significantly different. Um, you know, they looked really good against the Blazers, but they didn't look very good against the Timberwolves. Uh, they looked much better against the Clippers, etc. So uh, yeah. let's take a stab at this. What uh, okay. What do you think? Why Why in the stark difference in play? I, I think any time the Jazz establish open shots, uh, they they tend to do better. Now I, I'm I'm a little perplexed because of that stat that Locke gave you that they're that in certain games, or in one game at least that they won. The, the looks were about the same. Is that Am I remembering that correctly? Yep. Mm-hmm. But that, that was the way I remembered it as I watched it anyway. So I, is that a good guess, that the Jazz are a little firmer with what they're doing offensively and uh, it's creating those open looks? I mean, I'm watching that game last night against the Spurs, and it seemed like the Jazz were wide open all night long. I, I agree. I agree. There, there are a couple of things, Gordon, that I, I think have been major differences for the Jazz in, in can how I, they've can I, th- can I throw one more out there before you tell us the, the real facts? Okay. My, minor guess is yours are reality. I don't know about that. but could it, could it be that the Jazz are rebounding and getting the ball out in transition better and uh, that's creating more open looks? I think that's part of it. Uh, I do. I, I think that's part of it, putting pressure on the defense. You, you saw it um, from Donovan Mitchell early in the game against the Spurs where in, in a possession maybe he would have walked it up or, or slowed it down. Uh-huh. He pressed the issue even though they didn't have a, a numbers advantage and it generated an open shot. I'm trying to remember for who. It might have been Bogdanovich. And, and but uh, but I do might, think that's part of it. That might also answer what we talked about earlier, Jake, about some turnovers because when you are increasing the pace of games – you're going to increase your number of turnovers. I still don't like to use that as an excuse, but it, it might be an explanation so, for some of it anyway. I think a lot of it has to do with Donovan Mitchell. And uh, you, I, I doubt we'll agree with this take, but maybe maybe okay. you will. Uh, Donovan Mitchell against the Suns. All right, Gordon. Uh-huh. He, yeah. took, uh, he was 9 of 23, scored 23 points. Uh, he was three of eight shooting, uh, six rebounds, and three assists. Now, I don't know. Did you hear Donovan's post-game media availability after the Suns game? 
Uh, I think I did. What, what did he say? He said, I'm playing like bleep, and used the word. And he was right. And he, he was uh, obviously frustrated. So how did he respond to that, Gordon? Because I thought he would likely go out against the Clippers and take 30 shots and try to score 40 points and win the game on his own. Uh-huh. That is not what Donovan Mitchell did. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell actually shot less against the Clippers. He was 6 of 14. He had 15 points, but he had five assists, Gordon, and four rebounds and played much better. And then against the, the Spurs, he was terrific against the Spurs, Gordon, but he only took 17 shots. He scored 22 yeah. points and had nine assists. Now, here's my point. There are two players on this Jazz team that can beat their guy and get the offense moving. And it's Mike Conley and it's Donovan Mitchell. Uh-huh. And Donovan uh, made a concerted effort to get other guys going against the Clippers and against the Spurs, specifically Boyan Bogdanovich against the Spurs. I mean, right out of the gate, they got a layup right. for Boyan. So I think Donovan— he was, he was spectacular. I mean, he was— He was really good. And but, he's, it hasn't been that way this year very often. But I think Donovan responded to his, uh, in your opinion, accurate assessment of his game against the Suns, not by saying, oh, I need to take more upon myself, but saying, I got to figure out a way to play winning basketball. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's really admirable because it's, it's a real leadership thing, you know, instead of, oh, I've got to go win this game for my team. It's, all right, I'm going to get out of my own personal funk by helping out my teammates and creating for others. And, and his stats might not look all that different against the Clippers and the Spurs, but his game was much different against those two teams, and he was much better. And as a result, the Jazz team was much better. They beat the Clips, who were 4-1. and one. Gordon, it's not like the Clips are playing bad basketball, and the Spurs, I don't think they're going to be terrific, but they handed it to the Spurs. I mean, they crushed them. At first glance, that seems counterintuitive uh, to some extent, but uh, I have to admit, Jake, I think, I think you're right. Uh, and this is going to affect our, the conversation we had before the season started about how many points that uh, that Mitchell is going to score. Uh, he, he, on on good nights, he doesn't have to score a lot right. if he does what you just described, and so his point totals might be limited. What I agree with you, man. When when Mitchell is pressing, he gets himself in too much trouble, and then that hurts the team. But on occasion, they'll need him to do that. If he can do it successfully, he can help his team by going off for 36, 45 points. Example, Gordon, the fourth quarter against Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. And to a lesser extent, the fourth quarter against Minnesota, even though they didn't quite win. They got it within, what, five? Because Donovan, you know, tried to take over the game. But But he got the last last 12 points, I guess, against OKC, if I'm remembering correctly. right? And Uh he had not been efficient prior to that. Correct. So, yeah, pick his spots. Know his team well enough to know when they need him to do whatever it is that it needs him to do, whether it's score points, take over a game, or whether it's hit hit uh, his open teammates. This is a great point on your part, and it's, it's, it's nuanced. But it's true, I think. I am going to agree with you. And it's very, it's a very mature, right? I mean, that's a very mature thing to think. All, 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 uh, Devin Booker is doing the same thing in Phoenix 
where he's taking much many fewer shots this year than he did last year. But Phoenix is winning basketball games because he's getting his other guys going. It's it's is it's, that an it, influence of Chris Paul? It might be. It, it it would seem to me. And if that if that's the case, then I I will readily admit that I was wrong about Devin Booker and that not working. But Donovan, that's a very mature thing to do to say. Okay, I'm struggling. I'm still the best player on this team, but my way out of my struggles is to get everybody else going. And I, I think that's, I think, I think that's exactly what he needs to do. As long as he doesn't become complacent or, you know, have some sort of, he's got to stay aggressive and look for opportunities, either by him creating shots and taking shots for himself or creating shots for his teammates. Uh, stay aggressive. Don't get lax. In your in your overall attitude about the game, I don't think that would help the Jazz. Oh, and I don't expect that in the slightest. In mm-hmm. in, in these last two games, I mean, he wasn't any less aggressive. He took fewer shots, but he wasn't any less aggressive. Yeah, yeah, I I can go along with your with your point there. But I mean, as as right. with a, a lot of stuff, well, well, let me put it this way, Gordon. Remember two years ago, where Donovan was basically the only option offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe he had to play a little bit different role. But look at this Jazz team. You know, Bogdanovich is going to go get your points. Mike Conley's going to go. Yeah, he's going to go get your buckets. Um, yeah. You know, you want Rudy to be up there in the you know fifteen to twenty point a, a night. Jordan Clarkson is obviously going to come uh, come in and take a bunch of shots. You know, he was, a, he was a plus twenty yesterday. Right. You've I mean, been ad- advocating for Joe Ingles to shoot more. I mean, my my point is is that there's there's a lot of of talent that's able to contribute on this Jazz team and Donovan is the best player and the leader certainly the best player offensively and the leader of the team you know he doesn't want to to say hey guys I got this you know the smart thing to do is figure out how to get the most out of the team and I think that's exactly what he's done the last two games and if you go back and look at those uh, that three game stretch whatever it was when Donovan was making eight six nine of 23 or 24 that's not really doing his team a whole lot of good right you know and uh he can fall into that trap sometimes it's like what he did in the bubble only not making his shots and then that creates all kinds of problems so do you think when the jazz are shooting mm, what around 40 percent is that are do you think donovan is the key to unlocking that and getting them up around 50? Yes, because of, of where you began this segment with. The Jazz need to take better open shots, and that's how they get them. Have you seen an occasion where he does go off offensively where the other guys are shooting the ball well, too? Oh, well, I'm, I mean, every game is different. I'm just wondering it's- if, if it's... If it's an either-or, can it be both? Sure, of course it can be both. But he needs to be the... You know the the puppeteer, so to speak. You know he's got to read he's got to read the room and decide you know what's best. And a lot of that has to do with matchups. A lot of it has to do with how his teammates are playing. You know a lot of it has to do with his matchup. You know the game against the Clippers. It, you know what's what's going to get you more shots? Donovan Mitchell going one on one with Paul George or getting the blender moving? Yeah, it's a great point, and it's it's true. He's got enough talent around him offensively now that he doesn't have to do it all himself. However, there will be those occasions when he will need to do a lot of it. Fair enough. But Donovan is not James Harden. 
He's not, I'm better than the rest of you, so you guys stand and watch for a while. That's not wow. his game. It's yeah. it's not his game, and it it's not his be. role it as a, as a team. But he doesn't want to do that. And, you know, Gordon, he could, he could probably do a lot of things. but And maybe I'm reading too much into it because it's not like I've had a conversation with the guy but uh, about this particular subject. But it doesn't seem like that's who he is. I mean, he's better than Boyan Bogdanovich. He's better than Mike Conley. So he could say, hey, guys, these are my possessions. So if, if I happen to shoot it or uh, if I happen to pass it to you with two seconds left, you better make it. He's good <laughs> enough to do that. But that's not who he is. And if he has to score 12 in the fourth quarter and that's the, the Jazz' best chance to win, then he's going to make that you know, decision. Or you know, the coaches, I'm sure, will be helpful in that. But it's, it's, not, it's, not, who, it's not him and everybody else. You could even say in that game yesterday, although the margin was so vast that it didn't matter, but there were times when he passed the ball when he shouldn't have, you know. Uh, and maybe that, that led to a number of his turnovers. But it, that's a good point on your part that he's got his head up and he's looking around the court and looking for opportunities for his teammates. I thought that was a stroke of genius to get Bogdanovich the ball early in that game. Yep. No, it was, it was smart and it was intentional. By the way, how's he shooting with that uh, with that thing across the palm of his hand? Well, doesn't that wouldn't that sort of bother you? Maybe he's used to it now that he's worn it for a few days or something. But well, well, hold on, hold on for a second because there is a story to this because he okay. did talk about it. He's had it for about uh, for the last well, he had it all of last year and practiced mm-hmm. with it every single practice. But Bogdanovich doesn't like. If you'll notice, Gordon, he doesn't wear the the arm sleeves or the leg. What do they call the the tights or leggings or whatever? He doesn't wear that. He doesn't like uh, accessories. Restricted. Yeah, uh, right. So so he never he didn't play with it last year, even though he practiced with it. And this year, uh, I don't know if he decided himself or was convinced to, but you know, try it during the game because he doesn't like. He said on, on the post game he doesn't like how it affects his follow through. He says follow through feels weird, but it was obviously bothering him. So he gave it a try, and he—I mean, it obviously worked really, really well. But that's—that's that's the story to it. It's not haphazard. I mean, he's going to be the new Rip Hamilton face mask, right? Is it going to be the it's new, just going to be the okay, permanent? Okay. So let me ask you guys a question then, because it's—it's it's related to what you were talking about with Donovan. But there was a stretch there where Bogdanovich freaking couldn't miss. He yeah, the could third not quarter. Miss. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, he the when he was launching those shots, they were they weren't rattling around the rim. They were just making that net dance. When you have a guy like that, should they go out of their way to get him the ball, or should they continue on with the uh, you know community best interest by getting the ball to everyone? What's your what's your thought on that? Who's got the best shot? No matter what. Pretty much. Yeah, it's interesting because I know your feet. I, I mean, I'm watching him, and yeah, and he was so he was in the zone, and he was so hot he couldn't miss. And I was thinking to myself, the temptation would be to go to him every time. I know this is a thing in the NBA, and uh, and NBA people would probably disagree with me, but I think the heat check is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, so so you've made a few in a row, so you get to take a hook shot from half court and call it oh, a check. Stop it. Wasted possession. Yeah, totally wasted well, possession. Yeah, but wait a second. Wait, I mean, he could not miss, Jake. And he was wide open, and he hit the wide open shots that he took. That they were within the system. Yeah. Had, the, great passes around the horn, exactly. get it to him. There's it wasn't, a, get it to him as soon as you possibly can and, and hoist it. With three people in his face, yeah, because, yeah. you know, he check. 
It's, it's so dumb. Yeah, but then you'd have George Niang firing up a shot and missing. You know, I mean, that, that, I mean. But that's the so, only reason George Niang's on the team. So if you don't want George <laughs> Niang to shoot, then why are you giving him a paycheck? First time he played, right? Yesterday, all year. No, he's playing. No, he's he played. Just he just hasn't, hasn't made, made a three. A shot. I see. Okay. Yeah, and but it was Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal. What was he three for four last night, yeah, banging down uh, that corner three? Yeah. You want him to have the confidence and authority to take that shot when he's open. You don't want to be like, "Hey, Royce, you're too cold. You're too so cold. You don't, what are you, you doing? Don't go, you don't go out of your way to look for an, an ultra heated up Bogdanovich. Well, if the coach calls some plays for him, then you look his way. But and which a good coach would, right? But you don't go out of your way to to just like inbound him the ball and re- let him run down and chuck it. That's <laughs> it's not Jim. No, that's, that's, yeah. right. that's that's not his game. But I'm you can still, uh, you know concentrate on getting him the ball. Sure. But, but if but he's not open though, and he shoots it, then I would pull him out of the game. But what you're saying, though, is, is making me rethink this a little bit because I've always been a proponent of get the hot guy the ball. The hot guy? Yeah. Okay. The guy who's feeling it. Oh, the, the hot hand. Oh, I see. I see what you're getting at. You know what I'm getting at, Jake. Yeah, we all do because you you always say those things. You go, what, 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 what are you talking? About? No, I'm talking about get the guy. No, the guy who's feeling it. You get him the ball, and you're saying that no, that's counterproductive. It can't be. I'm saying good shots are are what I'd be looking for as a coach. I couldn't believe how open he was when he was he was feeling it like that, and the Jazz were getting him the ball, and he was letting it fly, and he was nothing but splash, man. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what are the Spurs thinking? I am not. I don't care what happens. I'm not letting that guy be open. Well, it's the Jazz offense working. That's the design. I'm sure they're not intentionally leaving Bogdanovich that wide open. Oh, I think they were doing it on purpose. Oh, you do. <laughs> Not at all. Wait, that guy shoots about 45% from three. Don't worry about him. He's, uh, well, this is the beauty when the Jazz have it going the way they did in that game. Uh, everybody was hot. You know, everybody but Gobert. Gobert didn't have particularly a fishing game offensively, but he was great at the other end. And Mike Conley's playing the way he's playing. Donovan was playing smart. Bo- Bogey was doing what he was doing. You got uh, you got Jordan Clarkson coming in and just lighting it up. By the way, that guy is not going to pass. <laughs> that guy, if he has the ball, what, he is like the guard version of Kevin McHale back in the day. When he gets his hands on the ball, chances are are very good, high percentage that he's going to shoot it. Would you agree? Yes. And is that useful to the Jets? It can be. All right, we'll have we're way over. We have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Chris Mannix is going to join us coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Harpering at 5. Uh, but, Gordon, we did want to mention this, um, uh, you know, um, 
sending good vibes and and everything to Coach uh, Dave Rose. Uh, all the love and support from the Big Show. On Thursday, he suffered a, a, a massive stroke and has been in the hospital. Um, it's been interesting uh, doing uh, games with Tim Lacombe. Of course, he and Coach Rose are very close. Uh, Tim worked on his staff for over a decade, and uh, and uh, has it's been a tough time, I think, for anybody who's who's you know in Dave Rose's family and circle. And um, uh, anyway, uh, it's he uh, it was severe, Gordon, um, apparently, and and uh, he had a good day yesterday, and and he's beginning to to recover and fight this thing. He's probably got a really uh, long road, but uh, I know. Uh, th- through talking to Tim, that all the support from not only college basketball world, but the, but the BYU world, the community at large, has, has really had an impact on him. So uh, just to throw out there with the, the big show support and uh, the support of our listeners, too. Oh, there's no doubt. Who doesn't – I don't know if I've ever met anybody who doesn't like Dave Rose, you yeah. know, as a person. Um, and you can have your own opinions about his teams and the way they played and all that sort of whatever. He was he was successful as far as his records went and stuff. But Dave Rose is a terrific guy. There's no doubt about it. But beyond that, we certainly wish the best for him because that is that is scary. Yep. And uh, so he's had some battles uh, with his health uh, in his life, as as we both have. Uh, mentioned before and uh man uh, yeah our hearts go out to him and it sounds like he's he's fighting through this the best he can but man i'll tell you life is tricky isn't it it, it does throw challenges at almost everyone at some time or another well coach rose has faced some steep ones so yes he has oh, man and he and his wife have been so involved in helping other people who have uh, issues of their own uh, physicality, things that they're trying to fight through and have been so generous and helpful in that regard. So certainly Dave Rose, uh, uh, everybody, you know, joined together. And I think most everybody has yep. sending up positive vibes for that man. Yeah, absolutely. Huge um, impact on the community and won a lot of basketball games but as you mentioned it it goes much further than that so if i'm remember if i'm remembering it right uh jake he and his wife they would they would get uh toys together for kids at christmas who had suffered uh with uh with ailments and whatnot i mean just a lot of really good positive vibes that he has sent out into the world over the period of his life I remember talking with him many, many years ago about his path to uh, to his career and uh, his attitudes about things, and uh, I think uh, I think most people will join in with the course to say uh, uh, good luck to Dave Rose. He is a good, good man. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our dear friend Chris Mannix. Uh, get your daily assist going. Matt Harping at five. Stay tuned. Big Show ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone.